Welcome to House of Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this past Sunday. For more information about other messages or events at House of Hope, visit www.ihope.today. So I realized something um, the other day, well actually a few weeks ago, um, this April coming up 2019, Deanne and I have had the opportunity to serve the body of Christ in Cranbrook for 25 years. And, um, yeah, and uh, I don't say that for, like, kudos and stuff like that. I do have a point. Um, And while in those last 25 years we haven't been full-time that whole time, in the 25 years uh, we have consistently served. And and the, the amazing part of... Being located in a, in a place for 25 years, you get to see the effects of what the Spirit is doing and what the enemy is doing over a long course of time. And we have actually entered into a season in Cranbrook um, that is exciting. Uh, this last September, we had our first uh, ministerial meeting for for the for the year. We start, our year our ministerial year runs around September to to June, and um, and we just we get together as as leaders of the city, as spiritual leaders of the city, and we try to encourage one another. We you know it used to be we have an agenda, and it used to be that you know, Pastor A would get up and promote their their event, and Pastor B would then say, well, I'm having an event on that same weekend, and there would be this competition going on between two different churches, three different churches, four different churches, hey, five, 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 six, six, and it just was becoming um, more of a, a competition, right? And about three or four years ago, four, five years ago now, um, the Lord said to me, uh, I want you to join the ministerial again. Maybe it was even longer ago. I can't. It was. It was around the time that we founded House of Hope. It was maybe a little a couple of years later, and and I was like, I don't want to, because I had at that point eighteen, fifteen, sixteen years of of hey, let's just do this, and and I was like, no, I don't think so. And the Lord's like, no, this is why I want you to join, is because you're carrying something that is unique to the body, and the body needs what you carry because the body needs what you have I've given you to give to the body. And I was like, can you say that again one more time? Because I was I'm a little bit confused. And, um, but my point was, as I started serving at the ministerial, then the Lord moved me into like more of a leadership. And I said one year, I really believe that our gathering together is, is, needs to be more relational than it does um, administration. And the, the, the ones that I was there with, they're like, yes, I agree. I was like, oh, wow, that was easy. So since the last five years, we've actually set up more of a, we're a relational gathering of men and women. And there is some agenda. There's always, excuse me, some, but... We're there for each other. And so getting back to my point of, of, of where, where we're at today is, is, is in September, we had over 22 men and women join us out of the blue. Like it just, we didn't know. We didn't know where, like, where did, where did everybody come from? Whereas up until this point, you know, you get a, your, meet, your, 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 your monthly meeting and there's six of us, which is fine. I am not a numbers guy. Like somebody says to me, like, how big is your church? And I'm like... It's about 40 by 80. Um, I just, you know, how many people do you have on a given Sunday? I don't know. 20? 30? You know, there's usually about 80. I don't know. Maybe. I, I just not a numbers guy. But I walk into the room at 10 to 12, and I'm usually like really early at 10 to 12, and I walk in and it was standing room only. And I was like, wow, there's a revival happening in Cranbrook. What's going on? And it, what's this, this December? We just had our, our December meeting this last week. And there was over 25 people gathered for our, our Christmas lunch. And it's, it's just, what has changed? I don't know. I really don't. Because it was nothing that we did to change the atmosphere specifically to have more people attend. But there's an excitement and we've kept the same people are coming September, October, November, and now in December. 
And I was like, this is amazing. And then the Lord reminded me of something that we have to guard our hearts over. And it's a concern that I've had in 25 years of ministry. I've seen this so much. And I've seen that there's a subject that I want to talk about today that impacts the foundation of loving relationships. It impacts the foundations of unity. It it impacts the foundations of our spiritual family. It impacts who we are even as House of Hope, as a family. It's a subject that is, uh, it's a subtle trap. It's something that will quickly and hiddenly snare us. It's so hidden, in fact, that many times we don't even know that we're being held captive by it. Because it's, you know, the nature of deception, it's very deceiving. And we don't realize that we're actually walking in it. It's an issue that leads to division. And the one thing that I'm really excited about in Cranbrook is there seems to be this unity building within the churches, within, first of all, amongst the leadership and then amongst the churches. And so this issue that I want to talk about this morning leads to division and is one of Satan's key strategies to divide and thwart a move of God in an area and, and, and to thwart the, the advance of his kingdom and especially even here at House of Hope. I love the other churches in town. I love the other pastors and the leaders. I love that. But my, my chief concern is you. My, my, my number one concern is seeing that you are released into who God has called you to be. And I honestly believe that this trap that I want to talk about this morning will hold us captive. Because it, holds the, it, it, it actually holds the body of Christ into captivity. In fact, when this issue is present, it can block your ability to connect with God. It can, it can, it, it, it'll block your ability to feel or to know God as a father and his love that he has for you. It can block your ability to find peace and harmony in a particular relationship. It's the source of division and distance. It's... Um, it's often behind an inability to resolve family dysfunction. You're all getting pretty, like, oh. You know, this, this subject can be behind discontentment, disillusionment with God, destructive gossip, waywardness, rebellion, anger, relational conflict, wounding, and hurt, and it goes on. Does anybody want to care to guess what this, that this is? What? Nope. Nope. Offense. Yes. The issue is of an offended heart. This is the one thing that can actually entrap us and we don't realize that it is. So I want to say that Jesus in Luke, in Luke 17, he said it's impossible to go through life without being offended. So right now, I just want to make it clear that if you have an offended heart, that's fine. But now what we're going to do, what I want to do this morning is I want to define what an offense is. I want to, I want to give you a way, and I'm going to give you an, an acronym of how to actually expose offense in your own life. And then we actually can use it in a group setting of what that looks like. I'm going to give you biblical examples, and then I'm going to give you a way to deal with offense. So that's where I'm going, and I'm going to do it in... An hour and 45 minutes. So that's good. I have lots of time. Let's, let's pray. Father, we just, we just come before you this morning. And as, as I breach into this realm of offense, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open up uh, my heart to hear from you clearly for your heart to, re- to release into our family here. And Father, I pray for every heart in this place that they would receive from you what, what, what it is they need in this moment. And Lord, we just say we love you. And uh, we'll try not to be offended by what you have to say this morning. Amen. All right. So I'm going to read some scriptures first. And uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to go through uh, quite a few scriptures in the next 10 minutes or so. See, these are my tabs. So... <laughs> I'm pulling out the big guns this morning. This is my revival study Bible. It's only, I only brought it out because it's actually the version I wanted to use this morning. So let's look at, um, we're going to start with Matthew 11. 
verses 1 to 6. So this is, this is the story of John the Baptist. And if you remember, John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. So he kind of had it in with the king, right? He had it in and he knew who Jesus was and he realized that he was the Messiah and he had been doing his thing for 30 years and Jesus comes along and, and, and John kind of gives up the, the mantle and he gives it to Jesus. And then all of a sudden, John finds himself in prison. And so... Um, Matthew 11, verses 1, it says, Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples, he departed from there to teach and preach in the cities. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples to him, and he said, Are you the, are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Jesus said to them, Go and tell John these things, which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. All of a sudden, Jesus is, is realizing, and, and John is realizing that I'm offended. So John the Baptist was offended. It's like, I'm in prison. I've done all this stuff. Are, did I do all of this stuff only to find that you're not the one? So tell me, tell me straight up. So Jesus is like, blessed is he who's not offended when I do something that you don't understand. And then another issue of offense was in Matthew 13, verse 53. And it says, it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. And when he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished. And they said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is he not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are not they with all with us? Where then did this man get all of these things? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Now he did not do mighty works there because of their unbelief. You know, it's like getting offended because of who we are. It's like, well, you were the kid that threw the stone. You know, you, you're the kid that egged my house. Uh, why, why, would, why, why would you, you know, who are you? I'm offended that you would even have this wisdom. Who are you? Who are you? And that's what Jesus got. Let's look at Mark 4. So Mark 4 is the parable um, of the soils. And there's different kinds of soils, and we know this. The fruitfulness, um, uh, sorry, I'm, with, 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 this, with this passage, one of the key understandings for this passage is that the fruitfulness of the seed of the word of God depends on the soil of the heart. All right? And that's one of the soils. So let's just read this. I'm going to start in verse 16. Actually, let's just start in verse 13 so we can get it in context. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? So Mark 4, 13. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And there are ones by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Likewise, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who they hear the word immediately they receive it with gladness and then they have no root in themselves so they endure only for a time afterwards when tribulation or persecutions arise for the world's sake immediately they are offended or stumbled the author in this translation says stumbled but it's the same word as offense is that they're easily offended how many of us have grown up in a situation where we hear the word and then something happens extraneously and all of a sudden we forget the word and we're offended? And we forget it. Offense causes us to not understand and not grab onto the word of God. I'm not talking the word of God, the Bible. I'm talking about his character, who he is. When we get offended, it, it, it cuts off our ability to actually hear him. If we allow offense to take root, it chokes out the word 
And at the same time, God will use offense to reveal what's in our hearts. Years ago in Toronto, um, there was so much craziness and, 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 and people, you know, screaming and falling and crying and laughing. And, and, and it was offensive. Because up until that point, prior to 1993, everything was done decently and in order within our churches. And it was quite boring, actually. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit decides to pour himself out, lands on this church, and this church gets thrust into the world's, um, the world's spotlight. And oh my goodness, offense, did it start to run? And John Arnott, the leader of the, of the, of the vineyard at that time, he says, you know, God will, God will offend our minds in order to reveal our hearts. And it's simply what Jesus did. It, Jesus is saying the same thing. You will be offended. You will be offended. There's probably people in this room this morning that you are already offended. And it's not a negative thing. I'm not declaring something. It's just we get offended. I realize the older I get, the quicker I am to be offended. I'm offended sometimes when I open up our dishwasher and the dishes are just thrown in. I'm like, how the heck is the dishwasher going to clean this? Zach? He's like, what? You know, and it's like you think, well, that's not offense. You're just frustrated. Well, no, it's a form of offense. I mean, I'm just using just easy little things, right? We all get offended, but it's what we do with it that is going to change. Let's move on. Luke 17. Verses 1 to 5. Then he said to his disciples, it's impossible that no offense should come. Here we go. See, this is what I'm saying. Jesus said it. It's impossible that no offenses should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. That he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And, uh, lost my place. And if he sins against you seven times a day, seven times a day and return to you saying, I repent and you shall forgive him. So Jesus is giving some examples on, all right, you get offended. What do you do? Forgive. You get offended seven times. Forgive seven times. Because he says offense comes. I, say, I think so, so often we, we, get, um, we get caught up in offense and then we get this self-righteousness. Well, I'm offended. And, and we don't realize that if we don't deal with the offense in our hearts, then we're going to get locked. We're going to get locked in. And we just go, oh. and, I'm, and I'm making I'm, I'm, you know, major theological discussions we get, we, lock, we get locked in. It's like we, 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 we take one foot, we plant it. And we take another foot, and, we, and we're, not, we're not moving. Our center of balance, our gravity is like this. And so bring it on, people. You can give me what you got, but I'm not moving because I'm offended. It's like a linebacker, right? Not getting by me. And Jesus is going, no, I don't like football. <laughs> I'm more of a baseball kind of guy. So I like hitting home runs. Just kidding. I'm just, I'm not a sports fan, so I have no idea what I'm. First Peter 2, 6 through 8. I just want to finish this kind of grouping. Somebody's texting me. Who's texting me? Oh, sorry. It's small group leader. <laughs> um, so 1 Peter 2, therefore, i got to hold it because like, then I don't have to look through my glasses and I can see it. Therefore, it is also contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders Rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. See, Jesus was considered the, the chief cornerstone, and yet he was considered to be 
the chief offense. Everybody is offended at Jesus. When Jesus was on earth, he offended pretty much everybody because he did things so radically different than what was the status quo, and yet he was the son of God. He was there to reveal the heart of God, and he did it through offending people's minds, to reveal what was in their hearts. So I want to go over, I want to look, I'm going to read this because it's long. Well, it's not that long, but it's, there's a lot of stuff in it. I want to give you a definition of what offense is. And there's, in the Bible, there's, there's, there's the, the Greek um, word to offend is skandalizo, okay? And there's a root word of that is called scandalon. And Jesus was, it says Jesus was our scandalon. He was our offense. He, he was, he offended people. He offended hearts in order to reveal truth. So the Thayer's um, here, I'm getting all biblical and, and all you teachers out there are going, yes, finally. Um, but there's, there's, <laughs> yeah. See, I love the Bible and I also love figuring this out. But the biblical definition of to offend, scandalizo, is there said, it's to put a stumbling block or impediment in the way upon which another may trip and fall. A trigger point tripped by a bait that traps. All right, it's a trigger point. So Jesus did these things. Jesus, like he healed on the Sabbath. Trigger point, you can't do that. Yes, I can. Uh, number two is to cause a person to begin to disrupt and desert one whom he, uh, whom he ought to distrust or obey. Number three, to cause to fall away or to incite to sin. Um... Four, to be offended in one, i.e., to see another what I disapprove of and what hinders me from acknowledging his authority. To cause one to judge unfavorably or unjustly of another. Since one who stumbles um, or whose foot gets entangled feels annoyed, hurt, or angry. To cause one's displeasure at a thing. To make indignant or displeased. Those are all definitions of offense. So as I said before, the root word of that is a scandal on it's the movable stick or trigger of a trap. Jamie, can you throw those pictures on there, please? It's a trap or stick. I'm going to show something up here and just to give you an example of what scandal on means. You should, if you just play it, it should just automatically... You hit the play button, it'll should just, there we go. So that's a, if you can see that, it's kind of dark, but it's a trap. And there's a string there with a post, and there's a trigger. So an animal tech would come in, touch the trigger, and the basket would go, ploop, next one. So here's one. This is, a, this is another, see, the, there's, there's a rock. So it's like, oh, I get to squish my prey. So, there you go. It is. So the roadrunner is going to come in, and he's going to touch that trigger, and the rock is going to fall. Now, it's better to fall on the rock than fall underneath the rock or have the rock fall on you. Okay, the next one. So here's a good one. Here's a base. There's the base there. There's the, the sapling. Mr. Mr. Rabbit comes along, finds his neck in the noose. He, he jostles the hook in the base, and boing, he's caught. Those are... Examples of what the word scandalon is. It's the movable stick or trigger of a trap. And the trap is the stick. And we get caught up into these things. And it's odd that we wouldn't realize that we're actually caught. Because a basket, a rock, or a boing, you'd think you would know. But oftentimes in our offense, we don't even realize we're offended. Because we have this indignation going, oh, I'm right. So I want to give you an anacronym. You guys know what an anacronym is? Anybody does not know what an anacronym is? An anacronym? Okay. Well, I'll tell you after. Acronym. An acronym. A. Not an anacronym. Okay, so the acronym is, the word is mold. And you will never forget this. How to understand what an offense looks like? The acronym, the word is mold. M, 
Miss, M-I-S. We miscommunicate. We misunderstand. We have misalignment. We're misguided. We have misguided expectation. We have misappropriated authority, mistrust, mistreated, etc., etc., etc. These miss, misses, we're missing. And when this happens, offense set in, sets in because we don't actually walk through some of these and figure out why we're, why we're missing. Did we have miscommunication? You know, Deanne can say something to me, and this happened probably several times this last week, where she would say something to me and I would go, I'm offended. I didn't say that I'm offended, but it was miscommunication. And, and I'm finally learning, finally learning that after so many years that I go, did you actually mean to say what you just said? Because this is how I understood it. And she's like, no. I'm like, okay, so this is on my heart. Miscommunication, misunderstanding. How many times in our lives do things happen that we misunderstand and then all of a sudden, instead of dealing with the problem, we just walk away? So the next one is opinions and offenses. Is the O in mold. So we, we, we misunderstand. And then all of a sudden, because we misunderstand, we form an opinion on that particular matter and then we become offense, uh, offend, offended. So an opinion is a view or judgment formed about something or someone not necessarily based on fact or knowledge. Right? We, we, get, so, we get so caught up. Like someone said, like, and I can't remember, I didn't write it down, so I'm not even going to say it. Because it was good, really good. If you could get in my mind right now, it would be awesome. But... So the L in mold, where we have miss, miscommunication, we have opinions and offenses, the L is loose lips. So all of a sudden, we take, we take our offense and we go, man, Moses, did you, did, man, I'm so offended at your dad. Your dad did this, he said this. And, and then all of a sudden, then Moses goes, I'm offended too. I'm offended on his behalf. Yeah, my dad's a jerk. He can't believe it. Now, this doesn't happen, and Craig is an amazing guy, and I'm not offended by him. Just saying that because we're live streaming, and I'm just... <laughs> but loose lips is all of a sudden our offense. We, we start to speak out what our offense is. Did you guys understand? Did you hear what the leadership team did at that church? I can't understand. what. Blah, 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 blah. And then the other part of loose lips is that it gets left alone, and what happens when it gets left alone, it begins to grow. And then it actually moves into the D of mold. And that is, it deceives, it divides, and it destroys. Mold. So what happens in a house that is drenched in water and left unattended? It grows. The mold grows and becomes unhealthy. The, the room becomes toxic. When I worked for New Dawn, we, we, it, was, it was the middle of August, and a family had gone on a cruise, and the water line, the little quarter-inch water line that went from the main line up into the back of the fridge blew, and the ice, like the, the water line for the water and the ice, blew, and they were gone for like 10 days. And it was like seven days in, the person looking after the house came in, and there was there was probably this much water in the basement. Everything was destroyed. But in that time, we were having 35, 36, 37 degree weather. And it was a breeding ground for mold. It was a, pretty much a brand new house. And, and so you had to actually suit up white suits, masks, everything to walk in just to see where the damage was. The damage was everywhere. And that was just in five days. It stunk. It, it just, it, it just, I, I might even go on because it was left unattended. Now, what is the one thing that is done if you think what is just physically, what is one thing you can do to get rid of mold? You got to cut it out. Yeah, cut it out. It's got to go. Drain out the water, dry it out, but then oftentimes they'll put a chemical on it or bleach. They'll spray it down, bleach. Or if you expose mold to sunlight, it dies. 
Now, you can't get sunlight into the crevices of a house, but if you take, if you take a mushroom, mushroom is a fungus, and it's really good with garlic and butter. <laughs> but if you, if you pick a mushroom and you, and you leave it out on the deck, by 2 o'clock in the afternoon, there is nothing left except a big schmlet. That's a word, schmlet. And I just think it's, 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 it's interesting that the Lord would release the word like mold and do this, that we can actually break a fence. When we break, excuse me, a fence, and we bring it into the light of who Jesus is, into the sunlight, it breaks down. That's a good word right there. So think of that, mold. Misunderstanding, the miss, M-I-S, the prefix, M-I-S, miss. Right? Oh, opinions and offenses. Are we formulating our own opinion based on misunderstanding or miscommunication? L, loose lips. Are we talking about the things openly instead of actually dealing with, with the problem? Or are we leaving it alone and just letting it grow in our own hearts and hopefully not spreading it? But is there something growing in our own hearts? And are we actually in deception? Are we dividing? Are we being destroyed? So I want to give you some biblical examples of people, um, uh, of people impacted by offense. So the first one, and I'm not going to read all the scriptures because there's lots, um, but I want to give you some just kind of a step-by-step. So the, the first one that I can really think of is, is in the garden, actually just post-garden, is with Cain and Abel in Genesis 4. You know, you have Cain and Abel, they're living their life, they're living the dream outside the garden, one's a gardener. How many of you guys love gardening, right? There's a few of you who love gardening. How many, and then there's the other one who's a husband. Tur, he, no, he, was, he grew animals. <laughs> what is that called? Is that a husbandry? Husbandry? Yeah, okay, I was right. So anyway, Cain, you know, Abel was the gardener and, and, and Cain was the guy that did the goats. And um, he didn't do the goats. Get your minds out of the gutter. You guys, that's awful. Anyway, I'm offended. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, so we know the story. We know the story. Cain and Abel, one brings his offering to the Lord and his heart is right. And then one brings it and it's his second fruits and his heart isn't right. And the Lord says to him, um, you know, you need to get your heart right. There's sin is on the outside. It's crouching. It's ready to take you over. But you have the power. And instead, instead of actually dealing with his offense, Cain killed his brother, and it led just to more destruction. And the, the consequences of, of Cain's offense was he lived his life for the rest of his life. He lived, that's, he lived his life um, as a wanderer, as someone who wasn't connected, who, as somebody who was often displeased, as someone who was often offended, and he just he had no connection, he had no roots. Simply because he would not heed what the Lord was saying and saying, just get, just, it wasn't the fact that God preferred fruit over animals. It wasn't that, it was, it was the heart. And he says, like, I will take your goats, I will take your sheep, I will take your offering, if your heart is right. And like, that's the, that's the key. The next one is, you know, Joseph and his brothers. If we look at Genesis 37, we're going to read actually Genesis 37 to Genesis 52. We have a lot, you know, I'm just kidding. But if you want to read it, we know the story of Joseph. Joseph has these dreams. His, you know, he has this dream. This is amazing. I've got this dream. My brothers and my father and my mother are bowing in front of me. Woohoo, life is good. And all of a sudden, you know what? First of all, you know that he was, he was immature. For, for what kid would tell his father, like, you're going to be bowing in front of me, Dad? So his dad, yeah, you would. See how that's going to work out for you, man. Stand back. You know, so Joseph ends up in the pit. He, he gets thrown into, 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 as a prisoner. He goes into, into uh, Potiphar's house. And then, you know, the, the wife, Potiphar's wife, makes an advance to him. He says no. She gets offended. She starts talking. He gets, he gets thrown in jail. All of his life, you know, 15 years, 13 to 15 years of being in prison. And then all of a sudden, he finds himself in the palace. And, and his brother, there's, there's famine 
And the brothers come to him, and he's like, what's going on, guys? And they don't know who he is. And they're like, this famine is because of one thing that we did to our brother years ago. And it's because of us we're here. And that's at that point, Joseph throws off his wig and robes and wipes off his makeup. And he says, guys, it's me. What you meant for harm, God went for good. Your sin did not cause this famine. I'm not offended. And they realized that they were carrying this offense and they were carrying the guilt of their offense for so many years that it followed them. They were bound up more than the, than the nations were because of the, of the drought. They were caught up in their own guilt. And that's what offense will produce in our lives if it's not dealt with, is that we'll feel guilty and have an inability to deal with the things around us because we think we're being punished and we deserve it. Because we don't understand God's character and his goodness and his love for us that we can just let it go, receive what we need, and, and embrace the ones that we've offended. Here's another really good one. They're all really good. How many of you guys know the story of Joshua in, in Joshua 22? Backstory. You're Joshua 22. Yes, I read that every day. Actually, I was doing, when I was doing study of this, I had never seen this before. So Joshua 22, if you know the book of Joshua, Joshua is about who? Joshua. Very good. Um, Joshua goes in. He sees the land. The Lord, you know, takes, the Lord releases Moses from his duties. And uh, Joshua goes, okay, I'm going to cross into Jericho. I'm going to cross into the promised land. I'm going to cross the Jordan. The Jordan is uh, in flood, right? So he's crossing a a river in flood season, and the Lord provides. And they go to Jericho, and they have amazing, you know, results. The Lord talks to them, tells them what to do. And basically what happens is in the course of several years, they take the land, okay? Now, there's some issues during this time. There was unbelief. There was the Lord was saying, hey, you know, kill these people and, and, and keep, the, keep the sheep and they, or, they, or kill everything. And they kept some sheep. And then there was Achan, who went, they went to Ai, and Achan, he killed you know, had some gold and silver left for himself. And the Lord's like, nope, don't go, do that. And, and so there's, there's back and forth. The enemy was trying to, to, to get in to destroy Israel and if he, and through disobedience and not listening and just kind of that stuff, getting into people's hearts. And so then you come into, into um, Joshua 22 and... And the story is everything is taken care of. They're done, right? They're, 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 they've taken the land. Joshua at this point is, is quite old. And he says, um, it's time to divide everything up. And two, two and a half of the tribes, I want you to go to, I forget. I'm not going to read it because it's long. But I want you to go, I think it's to the west. And you guys' your guys's land is on the west side of the country and it's actually divided by the Jordan river. So it's, you guys are over there. And then the, the 10 and the other 10 and a half tribes, they're over here and they have the tabernacle. It was, the tabernacle was in somewhere. doesn't matter at this point. They just had it. It wasn't in Jerusalem. It hadn't, the tabernacle hadn't been moved to Jerusalem, but they had it. And so, the guys on the west side, the tribes, there's two tribes, two and a half tribes. They're like, we don't have access to the tabernacle. Um, this isn't working for us. So what we're going to do is that we're going to erect an altar. It's like a, the Bible says it was a massive altar. And we're actually going to worship God as a remembrance of all the things he's done because we can't, we don't have the physical means to get to the tabernacle all the time. So we're just going to erect this altar. Well, the ten and a half tribes um, on the other side, they hear about what these two and a half tribes are doing, and they get offended. Like, what are you guys doing? And they're, they're going, we're going to war. We're going, as God is our witness, we're going to take these guys out because they are breaking the covenant. And they, they, God said, do not, you know, erect another altar in my name anywhere. Mm. They think that they're actually walking in idolatry. And so the leaders are going, okay, hold on. Maybe we have a little bit of a misunderstanding. So they took 10 represented 
representatives, representatives from each of the ten and a half tribes, and they went across and they met with the leaders from these other two and a half tribes, and they're, just, they're like, what the hey? What's going on? And I'm going to read, um, I'm going to read this. Actually, farther on. So they, they, they told him what was going on, and the leaders said, this is verse 31, This day we perceive that the Lord is among us, because you have not committed this treachery against the Lord. Now you have delivered the children of Israel out of the hand of the Lord. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, and the rulers returned from the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the land of Gilead to the land of Canaan to the children of Israel and brought back word to them. So the thing, so the thing pleased the children of Israel, and the children of Israel blessed God. They spoke no more of going against them in battle to destroy the land where the children of Reuben and Gad had dwelt. The children of Reuben and the children of Gad called the altar witness for it was a witness between us and that of the Lord God. So all that to say they had this massive misunderstanding where they were actually going to destroy each other. There was literally going to be a civil war because of something that was misunderstood, but they had the wisdom to actually go to each other and go, let's talk because this is how I see it. And that's why, you know, in, in a culture at House of Hope, what we feel, what we talk, we talk about feedback a lot. We talk about how are we doing. We talk about this because we want to get to the heart of offense. If we don't understand something, we want to go to people and go, I don't know, can you fill me in? And we have to do it with a heart that is actually open to say, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. It's not usual, but it could be. <laughs> it's not often, but it happens. But help me understand. Or like, I just want to give you some feedback on this. That's why feedback is so important. And for us not to get offended when somebody comes, I want to give you a little bit of feedback on this. A few months ago or weeks ago, um, Kathleen spoke, and it was an amazing, um, amazing message that she spoke. And then she had one aspect of it. It was like she was starting to tell a testimony, and she pulled a me and got onto a rabbit trail and never came back to the testimony. And I was like, oh, that is an amazing testimony. You need to finish it. And she didn't. So she's like, so we're talking, and I said, can I give you some feedback on Sunday's message? She goes, yeah. I said, finish the testimony. She goes, I never finished the testimony. She wasn't offended. She's like, ah, dang, that was a great testimony, right? Not a big deal. It was just like, next time, you know, I love rabbit trails, but we got to get back to the main trail. So another area is another, some biblical, you know, breakdowns were, you know, between Saul and David. That's, think about that. You know, Absalom, you know, Absalom was offended at his father because of, of the whole Amnon raping Tamar and his perception was that David did nothing. And so he was offended. And then all of a sudden he's loose lips and he divides the kingdom. And then do you remember the story about Athithophel? Right? Athithophel. It's like somebody with a hair lip. His name really wasn't Ahithophel, but he had a hair lip, so it was. It sounded like it. Anyway, Ahithophel, <laughs> uh, he was the grandfather of Bathsheba, and he was David's number one uh, advisor. And so all of a sudden, all these years, he was the chief counselor to David, but he was offended at David for what he did to Bathsheba's husband, and so when Absalom rose up, he's like, now I have my moment, I can get my revenge because of that offense. We already talked about John the Baptist being offended in prison. We've already talked about in Matthew, Jesus' hometown and the people around him who knew him. Is this not the carpenter's son? There was offense. He couldn't, he couldn't actually act. And what about Paul and Barnabas? Do we know, what do we know about Barnabas? Barnabas's chief um, gifting and the reason what he was put into the world for was to call the gold out in people. He would see people and he would call out that gold and go like, you're amazing and you're going to be doing this and I'm going to partner with you because you're that amazing. 
And so Barnabas was doing what he was doing. And then Paul, he was, you know, he was doing what he was called to do. And, and then there was this guy called John Mark who bailed on a missions trip. And Paul was P.O.'d. He was he's like, we're going to go again. We are not taking him. And Barnabas is like, no, you don't understand. This guy's amazing. He, I see in him the spirit. Like, he's just so awesome. And, and Paul's like, yeah, heck no. He's not doing like, I will not be put into that position again where he bails on me. How many of us have been in position where people have bailed on us and we get offended? And we don't call it offense. We just call it, well, that's just the way it is. I'm just not going to trust you. I forgive you. I'm just not going to trust you. Whoa, right? That's heavy. Because we're offended. The dispute of John Mark, who had deserted them on the first trip, differing assignments, um, they agreed to part ways, but they remained friends. And then later on, Paul says, and please send me John Mark, because he has done well with my soul. Like he's, he's, he's ministered to me. Something had happened where Paul had realized, I cannot let my offense over one thing, or one th- because the kid had grown. I mean, he wrote Mark. Wouldn't, wasn't he the author of Mark? He, uh, what's your name? Richard? <laughs> Sorry. Yes, yes, he did. And so here's somebody who, who had screwed up and had, there had been much offense about him that is actually credited for reading one of the, writing one of the Gospels. That's how when we release offense, things just, we, we get to be who we're called to be. All right. I'm going to have to continue this next week. But... Here's some signs of you might be carrying offense. Offense is often hidden or cloaked with rights, injustice, or expectations. Offense is hidden or cloaked with the words rights. I have a right. I have a right to do this. Or I see a perceived injustice. You know? That person didn't get what I think they deserve, so I'm now offended. Or I'm expecting the leadership team to do this. And when that doesn't happen, I'm offended. And I'm going to tell everybody around me my offense. They don't love me. They don't do this. They didn't do this. Or that person, I'm offended at that person because they blah, blah, blah. And it just goes on. These are signs that you might be carrying offense. Common signs are often in situations where people hurt you uh, or let you down. Stacking up offenses on the inside, burying or rehearsing past hurts. How many of us, sometimes we get into the place where all of a sudden there's a list in our hearts of offense that the person that you're offended at because you, you refuse to deal with it. So we're offended and we have lists and we're like, yeah, and this, and you, and you sit down with a person and all of a sudden they pull out this notepad and it's like on July 12th, you did this. And then on July 13th, you did this. And then in September and we go on and it's like five years later and you, the person receiving the list is like, dang, I had no idea. And what is that person going to do? Sorry. Forgive me? And all of a sudden, forgiveness enters, and that list should actually be flushed. Should be. More common signs of offense is having bitterness, or you feel bound by a person or relationship that was, was or is broken. Issues or battles with various people in many settings. You have issues with people in authority. You have a lack of peace in your heart. You have expectations of disappointment. Well, I'm expecting to be disappointed because... Well, I'm offended. We find ourselves in one battle or another with various people. There's always seems to be someone somewhere with whom we're struggling. Check your heart. If that's you, it's like then there's probably some offense going on. And there's a, quite a few others. So what is the fruit of offense? The fruit of offense is hurt. Okay, there's feelings. Let's just kind of subcategorize that. The fruit of the offense, feelings of offense. Hurt, anger, jealousy, resentment, strife, bitterness, unforgiveness, and hatred. So then there's the fruit of the response. 
When we're offended, we're going to respond this way. We can be sarcastic. Now, if I'm sarcastic with somebody, does that mean I'm offended? No. Because sometimes that is a language we use. Sarcasm can be a language that we use just because it's fun. But it's really hard to distinguish sometimes if we're offended or not, and we use sarcasm because it is a fruit of, sarc- of, of offense. I can be offended. It's like, did I offend you? No. What makes you think that? Right? So you just got to be careful. Arguments, insults, attacks, wounding, division, separation, betrayal, backsliding, broken relationships are, ref- are responses to offense. Remember years ago, uh, there was a death in one of the churches that we were serving in, and so many people were offended at the Lord because of this death that they actually stopped believing in, in who Jesus is and his character and, and stopped following him because if God is so if God is like this, then I just can't follow him, right? And that's it was an extreme case, but it happens. It's the the response of offense. So then there's the consequences of offense as a fruit. Division, broken relationships, entrapment, thwarted walk with God, spiritual vagabonds, like I mentioned with Cain. He was a spiritual vagabond. You know what a vagabond is? It's like a, uh, look it up. (laughs) He's like a, I don't want to say it because it's like it's in this, well, he's like a bum, right? He's like a street person. I don't want, and again, yeah, I'm on live stream. You know, just because you're, anyway, I'm not going to call it, just a vagabond, look it up. <laughs> or rebels like Absalom. Absalom was a rebel because the fruit of his offense was he took, took a kingdom. So how do, we, how do we respond to offense? I'm going to go into this probably next week more of our proper, how we respond to offense. It's a little bit deeper. But I want to give you just 10 ways um, how to respond to an offense in your own heart. First of all, admit that you feel offended. We have put a spiritual millstone around ourselves. When we ask the question, am I offended? We can't ask that question because if I ask that question of myself, am I offended? I don't allow myself to be real. And it's the spiritual trapment says you can't ask that because Christians aren't offended. And it's a lie from the pit of hell, actually, that says that we can't offend it, be offended because Jesus said you will be offended. But it's how you deal with it. So ask yourself, admit it, I'm offended. As I've been doing this study and I've been looking into this and, and, and in my concern even for our house, I was like, okay, how many times this week have I been offended? And why am I offended? And and is it them or is it me? Because oftentimes it's the condition of our own heart that causes us to look at this and say, I'm offended, so I I need to change my heart. Holy Spirit, come in and forgive me for this. Usually it's control. Usually it's a misunderstanding or a miscommunication, or it has nothing to do with anybody. It's just that your own state of your own heart is like, I'm easily offended. Open your heart to the Lord's examination of your heart. Holy Spirit, you know, Psalm 52 said, see if there be any wicked way in me. And sometimes offense can be wicked because it's just we don't even understand it. It's because we're basing our offense on our own experience when it has nothing to do with anything. So Holy Spirit, come and talk to me. Number three, make a commitment to communicate and clarify. Marriages, kids, parenting, You know, when there's things that happen you don't understand, ask the questions. Did I understand this correctly? No. Okay. My bad. I love you. I'm sorry. I totally misread that situation. Number four, choose not to let negative thoughts rule you. How many of us get into the situation where something happens and all of a sudden we concoct a story of that offense and why that person doesn't like me and why I'm offensive and, and they, have, they must be miserable people because they did this and all of a sudden we have this amazing story that would be an amazing movie made into this, you know, because there was, there's conflict and there's ah, and it's like, and it really means nothing because we didn't actually talk it through. Number five, don't blabber and spread your negative thoughts. Shut your mouth. If it comes to offense, if you're offended, shut your mouth. Deal with your heart. Go to the person because that's the biblical way. 
Um, that's number nine. Number six, steward your own heart, dealing with its roots. I find myself offended very quickly. Father, why am I offended so quickly? What is the roots? Jesus, please reveal to me the roots that are in my heart. These are questions that you can ask the Holy Spirit. And you know what? When you ask the Holy Spirit, where are the roots of these things? Why are they coming up in my life? All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit goes, thank you. Finally, here you go. These are the roots. Oh. And then if you're like me, sometimes you just say, hey, thanks for talking to me. Bye-bye. And we don't deal with them. We still got to deal with them. Because then we can't actually go on spiritually. If the Lord showed us something and we don't deal with it, we actually don't move on until we actually deal with it. So number seven, refuse to bite the bait. (laughs) Remember those pictures? If you're a smart animal, you wouldn't go near those things. Don't bite. That's a good sound effect right there. Boing, boing. Don't bite the bait. Overlook and offer grace and understanding. If you hear something in our house, if you hear something in our family that, that is against someone, and you go, that does not fit the character that I know these people to be, then don't bite the bait. You go, hmm, I want to go to the source. I'm going to deal with this in my own heart. That doesn't make sense. Well, I heard that Andrew is this. Totally contrary to who he is. What do you do? Hey, Andrew, I heard this. Is this a rumor? Yeah. Awesome. I didn't think so. I stood up for you. And that's what a culture of honor looks like as part of a culture of honor in a, in a family, in a house, in, in our situation, is that we actually treat each other higher than we, than we hear. Because it doesn't make sense. Like, no, that's, that person's character is way higher than that. I don't believe that. You should actually talk to them. It's honor. Number eight, lay down your rights and expectations. Philippians 2, 1 to 4. Be the one that actually says, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. And then number nine is, you you go to the person. And and, and Jesus was very clear in Matthew 18. You go to the person. If you're offended, you go to them and you talk it out. And it's not you go to the person and say, you offended me. Because I've had that happen, whereas when we're trying to talk things out, if you go into the meeting and you go, I'm offended, it doesn't go very well. Because it, You can say, I'm offended. But if you go to the person and say, you offended me, it doesn't work. You go in low. And Jesus says, you talk to the person. You, 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 you communicate. You communicate your needs. And it's like, man, I, I misunderstood. I think I misunderstood you. Did you really say this? Because I, I, my heart is hurt. And if they don't respond, then Jesus says, then you, you, you do the next step. You bring another person with you. And then finally, you take it towards the entire congregation. And I've been there. I mean, not personally, I have, but I've been in churches that, that, have, that have had to do that. And I've and recently been involved um, extraneously. Is that the right word? I don't know. It's just I've been involved where, where that's happened, and it's not a good place. And finally, number 10 is celebrate the person you feel offended against. If you feel offended against something, find the gold in them. Celebrate them because, there's, because you need to see them as Jesus sees them. You need to see them as the way the Father sees them. And, they, and, and there's, there's lots to celebrate. I can look at every person in this room and I can find ways to celebrate you because of your awesomeness. And, the way, and, and, I, and that's how I choose to live my life these days is that I, I choose to live unoffended. And the Lord is dealing with me on that because it's, I'm finding I'm so easily offended. So I'm choosing to live unoffended and think the highest. Cynicism was very easily setting into my own heart. I'm going, I'm cynical. I'm like, oh, what do they really want? And that's not the heart of the people. The heart of people are that they, they, we will want to love Jesus. We want to be lights. So I'm saying I choose. And I declared this morning, or not this morning, I've, ch- I've declared in my life, I will not be offended. Does that make sense? Okay, I think I lost you. Wow, sorry, I went a little bit longer. Bless you. Okay, let's stand. Who's closing today? So is Zach's coming? So Zach's going to come, but I just want to make it, I want us as a house to make 
a declaration this morning. So put your hand on your heart and declare with me this morning, we will not be offended. Okay? So let's say it with some conviction. We will not be offended. Sweet. That was good. Uh, ministry team, you can come up. Um, yeah, so it's ministry time. That's fun. <laughs> um, I think everybody's been here for since we started doing this, so you all know the drill. I mean, if you need prayer for anything. Thanks for listening to our Sermon of the Week. Our desire is that you will be changed by the love of the Father and the power of his presence. For more information about House of Hope, visit us at www.ihope.today.